What's up, everyone? My name is Cody Smith, and this is the Create Yourself Podcast. This is your source for evidence-based fitness information, nutrition, mindset, or just weekly inspiration. I want to take this opportunity to thank you for spending some time with me today and taking information from me that you can apply in your life to achieve the results you are wanting. This podcast was made with the vision to provide free information to listeners who want to expand in their mind, progress in their life, and change their body for the better. This podcast is called Create Yourself Podcast for a reason. That reason is that I truly believe that anyone at any time can create themselves. Now let's get into today's episode and let's grow together. All right, what's going on you guys? Welcome back to the show today. Today's going to be another Q&A. These are your questions. These could come in from social media, email, uh, interactions with clients, you name it. These are just a, a series of questions that I get fairly often and ones that I'm sure that if you are listening today, maybe it is your question or maybe it's something you've been thinking as well. So it's a handful of questions. There, There's not any particular theme to it. It's just going to be me rambling on and, and, and spitting out knowledge bombs on these uh, different subjects here. So before we jump into the show today, I want you to do me a favor before we get into it. I want you to go ahead and take a screenshot on your phone. I want you to post it on your Instagram story and tag me in it. I am at the the CF7C coach. The reason why I always ask you guys to do that is because doing this podcast is something that I truly love. It's something that I, I love to do and it's something that I really enjoy doing, but it's always nice just to get that feedback of who's listening, who's getting value from this. It's always nice to get your messages and and get the feedback on it, but it's always nice to see it outwardly, just to see that people are getting impacted and getting value from this show, because really that's the reason why we do it in the first place. That's the reason why I even started a podcast. Again, if you go back and you listen to the the pilot show that never happened, I believe that's like three or four episodes ago, um, you'll pretty much hear why I started this in the first place, because you know podcasting for me was huge. It was huge in altering my life, how I operate as a coach, as a, as a husband, as a father. It really helped to change a bunch of things for me, and that is my goal with this show as well. Not a lot of fluff, not a lot of me joking around, cooking and joking with things. When I have guests on, it's always very impactful information. We get right into it, and we start dropping the knowledge so that you can get in, get your fix, get your, your information that you need for the day, and then move on and carry on about your day. So again, screenshot, tag me in it, put it on your Instagram story, and then... Uh, let me know you're enjoying it. So first question that we're going to jump into today is, uh, this actually came in from Instagram and it, the question was, how do you approach recovery days? So this is a great question because I think each coach is going to give you a different feel as to how they're going to answer this question. They're going to give you some different information, but I think we should always jump back to what we see anecdotally and what we see in the research, you know? So the, the big thing with recovery is actually a little different than what I learned when I came up. Like when I came up, recovery was all about, you know, taking a day away from the gym, um, getting as much rest as possible, not so much movement based. But what we know now is that low intensity conditioning style work, cyclical in nature, you know, mostly uh, con, what is the word? concentric or isometric style contractions are going to be best for, or I'm sorry, just concentric, concentric guys, I can't talk today. I don't know what's going on. Uh, concentric style contractions are going to be the best suited for your type of, or for your recovery. And just because simply from a blood flow standpoint, so the more you're moving around, the more your heart's pumping, 
body temperature is raising, you're, you're getting fresh blood and fresh nutrient throughout your body. And that just has been found to be really, really good for bringing fresh nutrients into the body. So we know that slow, steady state cardio, um, not so much running because that can be kind of impactful in your joints, but we're talking rowing, biking, you know, if you've got access to an elliptical machine, ski erg, all these different modalities, swimming are, are going to be low impact and very great for your body to just move some stuff around to, to, you know, just moving your body in general is going to work really, really well. And I'll often tell clients that I think it's important to do some sort of foam rolling, maybe before or after, and, and really spending some time on mobility work. And, and, you know, instead of taking that day or, you know, then there's the other side of it where you could totally just go out and go hiking or something like that. That's always good. Do a yoga class. But I think the important thing to do is that when you do have a recovery day, it isn't necessarily, especially if you're a performance-based person, it isn't necessarily something that, or, or you wouldn't just go and just sit at home all day and do nothing. Obviously, there's a time and place for that as well. But I think the bigger thing is, is that if you're really pushing recovery and you're really looking to optimize your training as high as possible, some sort of movement is going to work best. So not laying around on the couch all day, making sure you're still getting your, your steps and, and eating your eating and sticking to your nutrition that day, foam rolling, slow, steady state cardio, all of those are going to be good options to make sure that you're recovering as best as possible. And I think spending anywhere between like 30 and 60 minutes on that and not necessarily working the entire time, but you know, some stretching, some sort of the, the slow, steady state stuff, mixing in some foam rolling, maybe targeting a specific place where you do need to work on mobility is always just really, really good for recovery in general. So uh, that's my answer to it. And again, each coach is going to have their own spin on it, but that's what I find to be to work really, really well for most people. So next thing, uh, next question is hit your macros or your calories, which is more important? And this question always comes in for somebody and it comes in a lot when people, for instance, have hosed their macros for the day, right? They you know, I have overeaten too much fat or too much protein or too many, more often than not, too many carbs. They've pretty much overdone their macros in some way, shape, or form that day. So I think the, the best way that, or what I find to be a really easy way to answer this is ultimately going to be what's your goals? You know, if you're in a maintenance period or you are in a period where you are trying to bulk, you're trying to put on some sort of muscle mass, I think it's perfectly okay to try to get your macros as close as possible. Maybe even go over your calories. My question would always be, how much are you over on the other macros? And if we remember that your calories and your macronutrients are matched up, I mean, because we know by now that proteins and carbs, every gram that you consume of those, uh, you know, if you consume one gram of protein, that's four calories. If you consume one gram of carbohydrates, that's four calories. If you consume one gram of fat, that's nine calories. So because we know that the two are blended together or they work together, it, it's much easier to, to understand that um, the goal question is always going to be important. Because if you are in a cut, if you're in a cut and you're trying to lose body fat, you're trying to lean out a little bit, then calories have been shown to be one of the most important factors in that. So I wouldn't tell that particular person to work their macros up as high as they can and maybe go over a little bit because we know that calories are a huge are a huge piece of the puzzle when it comes to leaning out and losing body fat. But if you're a performance-based athlete, maybe you're in a maintenance period or you're a person that is trying to put on a significant amount of muscle mass, I might tell you to really try to pursue getting your macros as close as possible. So, you know, if you overconsumed 
fats that day and you're under on your proteins and your carbs we know that proteins and carbs help to build the most amount of muscle and aid in recovery the best i might tell you to really push those up and get those closer to your amount or your setting for that day even if it means that you're over a couple hundred calories because we know that maybe one or two hundred calories over isn't going to hurt you in the long run if you're a performance or a muscle gain athlete whereas it could make more of a difference if you're a person that is trying to lean out so I guess my answer to that question, if it, you know your macros or your calories are more important, I think they're both important. I think w- the way you handle that particular situation is going to be based off of what your particular goals are, which is why it's always, you know, pe- my listeners who listen to this that you know are members of my gym, it's kind of like this funny joke of you know saying it depends, and and it's it's actually. I guess that whole mindset of it depends actually came from my mentor, uh, Cody McBroom. He always says it and always makes me laugh because how often we find as coaches, especially the more you get into this and, you know, I've been coaching 10 years now, like the longer you coach, you find that there's no one answer to anything. There's always, you know, a myriad of different answers you can give. and And it's always the context of the question that makes the biggest difference. So, I try to be very careful when I answer questions by saying things like most people, possibly, most of the time, like I, because it really it's broad in general. And if you, if any coach will sit here and tell you, this is how it is, this is how it, you know, this is the only way, then you probably should run the other way because it's just not the answer. The answer is always going to be, it depends because the context of the question is so important, especially when it comes to macros, especially when it comes to a person's nutrition, because everybody's so individual and that's why I often talk about diets versus nutrition. And that's a whole another podcast that I need to be careful of. And I'm on a tangent. So I'm going to pull myself back to the question. There is not one that is more important than the other unless the context of the goal has been taken into consideration. Uh, next question. So somebody asked me, what are some things that I do inside of programming to break up the monotony of, you know, straight sets and, and, and normal linear progression? And I love this, this question because it actually made me dig in and, and really think about what I've done in the past. But what, what we often do as coaches is we <clears throat> write programs a lot. We coach constantly. And you, you sort of forget some of the principles and, and the fundamentals behind it because you just do it so much and you, and you put these things into – programming and you don't really think about like well, what's the naming behind that what is the what is the 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 whole method to the madness and, and we we know why we do this in our head and it just happens so fluently that you forget about like you know how to explain it so I actually use this to make an infographic that I posted as well but I, I essentially love to use four different things to break in the monotony and, and and I guess of those things the answer to this question is going to be varying different intensity techniques or intensity modifiers because you're right you know doing eight reps by four sets of back squat and then going the next week four by seven or I'm sorry seven by four and then the next week six by four like that can get super boring now in principle that's going to work really really well because we know that we're going to increase total load lifted across that session which in theory can make a person stronger but we also know that that can get pretty boring. So I often will start off with just a basic linear progression just because it works so well. And it's something that's tried and true. It's something that from literally hundreds of clients I've used that for, and it's worked really, really well. But I know that it can get kind of boring. So uh, in intensity techniques that I love to use, the, the first one would be drop sets. 
So some people call them strip sets. This is a technique where essentially you'll do a lift at a higher weight. Like for years, I would do something like work up to a three rep max, drop down to 95%, do three set, or I'm sorry, two by three, three reps by two sets at 90%. Then I would do something like do another two sets of three reps, excuse me, at 85%. And, and you, or you can even take it a step further. You could do something like do a three rep max, drop it down to 80%, do a max set, re-rack the bar. And I'm just gonna use back squat as an example just because it's more simple to under, to explain. But let's say you work up to a heavy set of three on the back squat. Then you rest two to three minutes. Then you drop it down to 80% and you do a max set. Then you re-rack the bar, drop it down to 70%, you do a max set. And you can continue this basically for a certain amount of sets, just going to failure and working on some endurance in your legs at that point. So that's a cool way to do drop sets. So, you know, I've seen it a lot. People call it running the rack with doing like dumbbell curls to where they'll do, you know, depending on how huge you are, you'll do like 40 or 50s and then you'll drop it down to 30s and you'll drop it to 20s and you're running all the way down to the fives to where they feel like a million pounds. So that's a, that's a cool way to think of it. But drop sets are always cool to use. I like to use it a lot with my metric-based lifts in the beginning of my programs just because it breaks up the monotony. And for some people, it can, if you have been training inside of like you know just basic linear progression for a long period of time, it's a cool way to break it up and to add in something. So drop sets will be the first one. The next one is something I actually don't use these very often. I use them a lot for... Uh, like my my strength specific clients, <clears throat> but not inside. I work with a lot of general population and not necessarily always like a sport specific person, but cluster sets are always cool too. These were a long time ago called velocity stops as well. But this is essentially where you perform, you know, say you're trying to do, let's say a set of eight on the back squat at 90%. Well, you know, a set of eight on the back squat at 90% is not going to happen. So the way you could break that up inside of these cluster sets was to maybe look at that one set of eight as four little sets of two, right? So what you could do would be, hopefully my math is right. <laughs> you would do, you know, unrack the bar, knock out two grinding sets at 90% or 85% or whatever. A high percentage, like a high intensity. Then walk the bar in, rest a little bit, unrack, step back, another two, rack the bar unrack, step back, another two. And this would continue until you finish those eight reps. And then you would take a planned rest period. And what this allows your body to do is actually create a whole bunch of overload inside of your system because you're taking this high percentage and you're pumping out a lot of volume in a short amount of time. Whereas you wouldn't actually be able to do, you know, a full set of eight, but with just little rest periods, you're, you're actually allowed to do this. And I actually picked up this concept from uh, the late Charles Poliquin, he used it and, and wrote a great article about it on his website, and I read it a few years back, and I thought it was really great and started implementing it, implementing it inside of some of my programs. But it's pretty cool because it allows a person to lift this heavy weight a whole bunch in a short amount of time. And, and for some people, it's pretty exciting to be like, wow, like I totally did, you know, 80% plus for these high reps. And then if you do, you know, those, you know, cluster sets of two, which equate to the eight, and you do four sets with, you know, a two to three minute planned rest period in between. It's a really cool way to break up the monotony of just doing straight sets all the time. Now, another one that I like to use a lot, 
I actually have a favorite exercise that I like to use this for as well, but this is similar to a cluster set, but it's called a rest pause set. So what you essentially do is, let's say, again, my favorite exercise to use this one, and I use it with a lot of my female clients, is a barbell glute bridge, or barbell hip thrust, sorry. What they'll essentially do, let's say I have, I have them do, you know, eight sets, at, you know, eight reps times three sets at a slow and controlled pace. I'll have them drive up, get their eight reps. They'll do their normal three sets. But on that last set, that third set, I'll have them put the bar down and I'll have them rest a little bit, you know, 20, 30 seconds. And then I'll have them do another set of eight. So now I've taken their rest period. Let's say maybe I had them in between their first three sets of eight. I had them resting maybe two to three minutes in between each set. But then that last set, I'm asking them to pump out another set of eight at a 20 to 30 second rest period. <clears throat> and I may do this twice. I may have them do, and it doesn't have to be all eight in a row. You know, it could be, okay, I'm going to have you do eight reps times three sets with two rest pause sets of eight. And what that means is they'll finish their third planned set, rest 20 to 30 seconds, and then with as little as many sets or as little sets as possible, they'll knock out another eight reps. Then they'll take a planned rest period of 20 to 30 seconds. And then they'll do another grinding eight reps where they'll probably have to break that up a couple times. So this cluster sets are a little bit more different because there's there's planned sets that you do, whereas with the rest pause, there's not planned amount of reps each time you're just looking to knock out those extra prescribed reps that you have so it's a cool little spin on the cluster set I, I use this a lot with a lot of the glute work that i do i don't find that it works too well with bench presses and others and, and certain other lists just because you need to have make sure you have spotters and stuff like that because you will find yourself reaching failure a lot during this which is a pretty cool way and why it's at the back end of the set so, and some would argue that maybe it's a little bit of junk volume, but I've just seen it work really, really well to get it, get a pump in a particular muscle that you're trying to do and to kind of break up the monotony inside of training. So rest pause are, are, is my third favorite, I guess, intensity technique that I like to use. Now, the last intensity technique that I use very often and one that I really enjoy just because it's super cool to, to blend two elements together is called a contrast set. So what we do here is we perform you perform a, a heavy single on something in a, in a very high percentage. We'll, we'll stick with the back squat just because all of you can follow me on this. But you'll do a back squat. You'll work up to a heavy single at about 80 to 90. This shouldn't be a max out because maybe you're going to do, you know, four sets of this. But you'll do a heavy single. Then you'll rack the bar. You'll drop it down. You'll strip down, you know, 20, 30 pounds, something like that. You'll rest about a minute. And then you'll do a prescribed amount of like hypertrophy rep range style reps. So we can, you know, I've done as low as four. So that's not, tip I mean, some would say that's not hypertrophy, but you know, it depends, right? You would do somewhere between like four and eight reps. So how this would work, again, you do your heavy single. Say we're doing a back squat. You you work up to 315. You're, you're a stud. You're a stud. You do 315 for a single. You rack it. While the bar's racked, you're resting a minute and you drop it down to 245. And then after the minute's over, you pick it up, you knock out four to eight reps, re-rack the bar again. Now you're taking a planned rest period of two to three minutes before you do that same thing again. Maybe you use the same heavy single weight. That's what I like to do with my clients. And then I use the same hypertrophy weight for that entire week. And the following week, maybe 
you do a heavy single and if you did six reps was your contrast set for the first week i might have you do five reps for the second week so it's a way to cool it's a cool way to work on like the neurological stress that you get from doing a strength style rep scheme or to work at the higher loads because we know that higher loads and, and strength is mostly neurological so you get that but you also get to get the muscle contractions in with the higher repetitions immediately follow that i mean if you think about this this is really cool and really great because your, your your body on a neurological level is primed after that heavy set and it's recruited all these muscle fibers and then you get to use them to knock out these hypertrophy reps and you're stimulating all of this new muscle growth and it's really cool and, and i got to give credit to uh, my coach cody mcbroom a dude super genius funny great dude man right like he got this from uh, a guy that trained him from a little for a little bit named christian thibodeau and and when, when I did this inside of a program one time, I loved it and I started using it and I saw all kinds of results from it. So <clears throat> it's a cool spin that you can add in inside of your training that makes a huge difference in just doing something new and doing something fun. All right, moving on. Somebody asked me one time, what is the difference between aerobic and anaerobic training? So <clears throat> my, my mindset on this and how I explain it has changed about a thousand, a thousand different times. And what I've arrived at is something that is principle-based and, it, and it's a very simple explanation. If we can think of the two differences here, aerobic training, when you hear aerobic training, all you should think about is that it means it's sustainable. So old school, like when you heard aerobic training, you would think like, I'm going to go bike for 30, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, an hour and a half. Like it used to be this long duration thing. And that's what you thought of aerobic training. But we know that aerobic training has several different time domains, but that the, and it doesn't mean that it's just one particular modality. You can do this in a mixed modality situation, but we know that aerobic training just simply means that something is sustainable. It means that you can do this activity you know, say you're going to do a 12-minute run in a, at an aerobic pace. Well, even though you're running for 12 minutes, you should be able to sustain that for, you know, another 12 minutes. And then another 12 minutes after that. It just means that it should be sustainable and that the pace is something you can hold on to. Whereas anaerobic training, right, we know that anaerobic means essentially that is, you know, without oxygen. We know that anaerobic training is not sustainable. It means that whatever activity you're doing, once that particular time domain has been reached for your planned anaerobic training, not just something that makes you tired and you're, you're working on just your, your threshold, we know that anaerobic training means that it's not sustainable. So let's take that same example of running. Let's say I have you run for three minutes as fast as you can. Well, at the end of that three minutes, you shouldn't be able to go on anymore if you're expressing true anaerobic strength or true anaerobic ability. So we know that aerobic means that something is sustainable. This can be done in either cyclical or mixed or mixed modal variations. And we know that anaerobic means that it's not sustainable. It's something that once you are done with that particular you know, interval or, or, or workout, whatever it may be, we know that when you are done with that, you should not be able to continue anymore. You're done. You, you've maxed out. So think of aerobic training as something that is sustainable and something that is anaerobic training as something that is not sustainable. Now, obviously, there's a thousand different tangents we can go on with that, but that's just going to be my blanket answer here and something that can give you maybe some context 
as to how you would approach your mindset around the difference between the two. All right, now last question, and I say this one for last on purpose because if you'd asked me this question a few years back, I would have given you a different answer. So somebody asked me, how do you journal and why? Now, if I'm being completely honest, I used to think that journaling was 100% a complete foo-foo thing. I used to think like, you know, even when I started doing it, I'd be like, dear diary, and I'd like write in my, you know, and I'd make fun and I'd talk, tell my wife about it and, and this, that, and the other. But journaling for me has become this ability to get my thoughts and my mind on the paper and then it's like inception and then apply skeptical thought to those thoughts so maybe i feel a certain way about my day or maybe i feel a certain way about a particular situation and i go and i write about it now what can happen is i get that thought out on a paper and then i can look at it i can literally look at my brain on paper and add an objective thought to it so maybe somebody really made me upset that day maybe somebody really fired me up and hurt my feelings and then you know, I got, up, I got all up in my feelings and I wrote it down in my journal. But then I could ask, like, should I hold on to that thought? Who would I be without that thought? Would I be happier? Would I be more sad? Right. But so I can get my thoughts out onto paper and I can look at them. So why I journal is because it allows me to be authentic with myself and to put my mind onto paper. And if you don't, if you're listening to this and you don't journal, just start. Maybe you'll have trouble writing about stuff. Maybe you'll have issues. I'm gonna give you a couple things that you can do here, but maybe you'll have issues with it. Maybe you'll love it the first time. Maybe you won't get anything from it from a couple weeks. But I'm telling you, if you keep doing it, it will make a huge difference. And you can just get your mind out on paper. And I find that for me, I really got to know myself a lot better. And, and, you know, I, I talk with a few of my mentor clients all the time about this. And the big thing is like, know you're neutral, right? And what I mean by that is like, know who you are, know what you're about. And, and what that means to me it, or, or, or why that's important is because journaling for me has allowed me to find out who I am, to find my voice and to really see what I'm about and what I'm made of, because I'm always applying skeptical thoughts to myself or not skeptical, but objective thoughts to myself. I'm always questioning myself so that before anybody else can question me or, or challenge my personality or challenge who I am or what I stand for, I've done it 10 times before they have, and I know what I am and who I am and what I'm about. So that when somebody challenges my character, I already know who I am, and they can't sway that because I know my neutral. And if I am wrong, then I'll openly come out to it, and I'll say that to them before they even have a chance to because I've done so much work on myself. So another thing that it can be used for is not just that, but also to, to check yourself and to find happiness in every single day. So here's my favorite tactic and something I actually learned from the five minute journal. It's how I started, which is I probably should put their link in the show notes. If you're listening out there and you know anybody who is involved with that company, I would love to, to, to work with them in some capacity. But the five minute journal was great for me because what they essentially do is every day, and I do this in a, in a smaller scaled version now, but um, we'll, we'll just go with what I do every day. Every day I write down either what I'm grateful for or who I'm grateful for. And, and I love the who because, they, yeah, you can be sitting here and like, I'm grateful for coffee. I'm grateful for a warm blanket. I'm grateful for this microphone. But the who makes you to think about like people outside of yourself. So it becomes, instead of it becoming this, this selfish thing that you talk about things with yourself, you talk about other people and how they make you feel good 
and how they bring you happiness. And it just starts making you look around your circle and evaluating it and be like, wow, this person totally sucks. Or you could totally be like, wow, they're totally great to me and I've never noticed it before. So who I'm grateful for or what you are grateful for is a great place to start. The next thing I ask myself is what could make me upset today, right? And what you do is you already start like, you already start thinking about the things that are going to piss you off that day and you can get ahead of the ball and already be mentally prepared so that when they happen, you're like, I'm good. I've already dealt with this this morning, right? So that's something that I go with next. The next thing I like to always ask myself is what could excite me today or what am I excited about today? So then you go, right, we went positive. I go back to negative again and then I go back to positive. And the excitement thing is to look for good in your day. How often do we find ourselves looking for bad constantly? This is bad. My day's crap. Started off bad. And then just like happiness is a choice. How you feel is a choice. It's not something that happens to you. It's something that hap- that you allow to happen to you. So being happy is a choice. And starting by finding excitement in my day, it could be like I'm excited about dropping my kids off at school today because they're healthy enough to, to for me to even be able to do that. Right? So that's something to think about uh, is what am I excited about or what could excite me today? And then I'll go back with something to prepare me, and I'll think about the day before. This is a little bit of reflection, and I'll say, what made me uncomfortable the day before? It could be a conversation with my, you know, a spouse or a friend, a coworker. But when I think about that, it allows me to reflect. And again, looking in, looking at yourself, if you handled it poorly, you can be like, wow, like that made me uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable about, uncomfortable about how I handled that particular situation or how I acted here or how I allowed this person to speak to me or how I continue to allow this person to speak to me. It really allows you to, to get this out and to write it down. And you can be like, wow, that totally sucked. I could have handled that better. Or wow, I've got to do something about that before it gets bad. So as you can see, for me, journaling is very powerful and it's something that I will encourage all of my clients to do. And they'll look at me and be like, oh yeah, whatever coach, it's not important, you know, it doesn't mean anything. But I will tell you, I have yet, I have yet to meet a person that is successful and happy in life that doesn't do it. You find me somebody who doesn't do it in some capacity. Journaling could be, you know, there's a couple of people out there that say that they don't journal or do these things, but they, I mean, really they put their life on social media. So it's kind of like journaling, right? So for me, journaling is very impactful. I do it because it changed me. And it's something that I will continue to do the rest of my life. I'll teach my children how to do it. I will teach every client, friend, mentor, client, anything. I will teach them to do it as well. So that's all I got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I love these Q&As because it allows me to answer your questions and to give you value. I know that these come from people. And I know that when you listen to this, you'll be able to relate. Because I know that a lot of us struggle from the same things. And it's always cool to, to... Here's something we were just thinking about being answered on something. I mean, maybe you're in your car right now and you're listening. Maybe you're at the gym or, or maybe you're sitting in a parking lot somewhere on break. Like whatever you're doing, I hope this has caused you some sort of positive impact. And I hope you're just having the most amazing day after you listen to this podcast. So that's all I got for you guys today. We'll talk to you next time. And that's a wrap for today's show. I want to thank you so much for listening to the show today. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate every minute that you spent with me. If you're new to the show, make make sure to hit the subscribe button and to give us a rating and review on iTunes. This is how we grow this podcast and we continue to create amazing, impactful content for you. 
Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram where I post daily motivational content and free training and nutritional information. And lastly, if you've been listening to this for a while and you're thinking about working with me and my team, email me at cody at crossfit7cities.com. Hope you have a great day and I'll see you next episode.